Hi there. Welcome to Crazy Good God. I'm Nancy Teague, and thanks for listening in. To know more about me, the Crazy Good God podcast, and all the podcast platforms you can find me on, go to www.crazygoodgod.org. The previous podcast, number eight, we dug into the profound effects of Jesus becoming flesh. It is more than Jesus becoming a human being. He went to the depths of all of humanity's confusion, delusions, pains, perversions, rejections, losses, ignorance, works, darkest places. Because of Jesus going there in all those hurtful places, Jesus had total identification with us. And that is why he understands us, has compassion on us, and does not condemn us. Seriously, why would God judge and condemn anyone if Jesus, his beloved son, became flesh just like us? Without doing so, there was no way he could save the world. If we grasp the magnitude of Jesus becoming flesh, we will see his finished work, his wonderful finished work, unravel all the distance and separation teachings and all the requirements that religion has put in place in order for us to get saved. It's amazing. Before we jump into just what was the profound truth that Jesus was wanting Nicodemus to get, let's look at who Nick is and see if we can relate. We just might find commonality. Now, this will be involved in John chapter 3. We know from Scripture that Nicodemus was a Pharisee and a ruler of the Jews. Being a Pharisee, he was upright because he followed the law and did all the rituals. He was learned, rich, smart. And Nicodemus loved God in his own sincere way, as best he knew back then. Well, let's look at the inner Nicodemus, and this might explain why he came to Jesus by night. He feared people's opinions, a tendency to be a man-pleaser, wanted to be accepted by his peers, didn't want to be excluded. Now, a good part of Nicodemus, he was curious, observant, inquisitive. On the other hand, Nick was caught up in tradition. He had a mindset in his tradition, and his tradition was right. Nick's world was small and narrow, and he didn't know that. Everything was based on the law and rituals. He didn't realize how confining and tiring it all was. He just went through the motions because that's what he was taught. Now, please know that God does not fault us for those kind of things. He understands that for us to look beyond what's familiar is scary, confusing, challenging. We have to get out of the box. That is unsettling to say the least. Anybody relate? Perhaps in all or some part of Nicodemus, 
Well, good. Welcome to humanity. We all have insecurities and shortcomings, but we also have deep inside a God-given hunger to know him. And to know him in truth is connected to who we really are. So being a Nicodemus, so to speak, it's a good thing. It's a normal thing. It's all relative to each person's sphere of being and their time on this earth. So their paths crossed. Nicodemus notices Jesus. He was watching. He observed Jesus. He was intrigued by Jesus. In fact, intrigued enough to be willing to risk talking to Jesus even though it would go against his tradition. To risk for Nicodemus meant doing it by night. And that's all good. Now in today's verbiage, we could say, or at least it occurred to me, that John came up with a tagline for Nicodemus. In fact, John uses this tagline for Nicodemus three times when he speaks of Nicodemus's actions. Now, let me ask you, would you like to be known by this tagline? Quote, the one who came to Jesus by night. That's the phrase, the tagline, John used the three times he spoke about Nicodemus. Ask yourselves, is this a negative? I realized John's description is actually a badge of honor. Consider this. This is why. Creation itself began in the dark. There was no light. The spirit was brooding over the darkness of the deep. Then let there be light. So the evening and the morning were the first day. Genesis 1, verse 5. So here we go. First evening, darkness. Then morning, light. You know, sometimes I think we freak out about dark. Evening, also known as darkness, was the beginning of all things. But you know what that meant? Morning, also known as light, was coming. And don't forget John's word in John 1 verse 5, the light shines in the darkness. Here's another scripture, Psalm 139 verse 12. The night shines as the day. The darkness and the light are both alike to God. What an incredible, beautiful, wondrous mystery. So here's Nicodemus. He came in the dark and had audience with the light. Nick had no idea he was going to have a conversation in the dark, in the night, with the light of the world. Just think about that. Now, that's a biblical pattern. It just occurred to me as I'm doing this episode of a dream I had in 2005 when I heard the Lord say in the dream, quote, look for biblical patterns to get to God's house. There's like this biblical pattern of dark and light, Jesus shining in the dark. So there's something very profound and powerful and a place of incredible confidence to grab hold of this revelation. 
Now, it didn't bother Jesus one bit that Nicodemus was sneaking around in the dark wanting to have audience with him. We might judge Nicodemus for that. I think in years past, decades ago, I probably looked down on Nicodemus when I read about him. It's like, well, who are you afraid of? Not realizing I would point the finger. I got three pointing back at me. So here we go. Light spoke into Nick's darkness. And Jesus told Nick a profound truth in the darkness. Get that. A profound truth in the darkness. Yet the darkness in Nick, or we could say Nick in the dark, did not understand. He did not comprehend. And that darkness could not overcome what Jesus was trying to tell him. And at that time when Jesus was speaking this profound truth, it was just too big for Nick's small world and being bound by the law. We should all be reassured by this, not disheartened. I mean, it's like there's hope for all of us. In spite of Nicodemus's initial incredulity at what Jesus was saying, Nick actually grew in his value of and love for Jesus. Let me give you two examples. He stood up for Jesus when the Pharisees wanted to take down Jesus. In John 7, verses 50-51, it says, Nicodemus, who came to Jesus by night, said, quote, Does our law judge a man before it hears him and knows what he is doing? Now, of course, the Pharisees, they ripped into Nicodemus and put him down. Well, so much for Nicodemus fearing man, right? I mean, what was happening to Nicodemus to stand up for Jesus like that against all his peers? In John 19, verses 39-40, the one who came to Jesus by the night, in the dark, was the one who brought 100 pounds of expensive myrrh and aloe with which to embalm the dead body of his precious Jesus. Think about that. No fear of man here. And this was done in the light. Knowing Nick helps us relate to him better and not be judgmental. We will be more ready to grasp Jesus' born-again statement to Nicodemus. But it is important to know Nick first. And you know what? For me, pondering Nicodemus, I began to appreciate him at a whole nother level. It's like, what a guy! Before we finish, let's look briefly at born and born again. To be born, we were delivered out of our mother's womb. We are a baby. We come out of our hidden in the womb, in the dark life, into being visible. We're now in the light. It's our first experience having life in this world. It includes breathing, feeling, eventually thinking and reasoning, creative expressions, interacting, having relationships, remembering things. Being born again, a common term used by Christians, particularly evangelical fundamental Christians, it equals getting saved. Do you know that the born again phrase became very popular during Jimmy Carter's presidency? He was the 39th president of the United States, 1977 to 1981. 
President Carter used the born-again phrase for himself. He spoke of his faith, of his strong relationship with Jesus Christ. Somehow it caught hold with many Christians, and it became the way to say, I am saved, I am born again. It also became the phrase to even ask someone, are you born again? People who use this phrase, I'm born again, that also includes, I'm going to heaven. Now the opposite, if you're not born again, then you go to hell. Is that true? Now that'll be a whole nother episode. So traditional teaching on how you get born again includes a person confesses they are a sinner, they believe Jesus died for their sin, they need a savior, they ask God for forgiveness, they ask Jesus into their heart, and they become a believer, a Christian. They become born again. For many, when that happened, they had a real sense of his presence. Light filled them, peace settled in, some even physically felt some freshness or renewal on the inside. Something changed in them. And they even changed their ways and some of their life choices. And then as time wore on, for some, this presence, the joy, the freshness, the aliveness, wore off. Life happened. Disappointments, hardships, loss, striving, failure, guilt, etc., etc. All understandable. And that lively presence relationship waned. But if we know the real meaning, what Jesus was saying about being born again, it would change the way you see God's proximity, your inclusion, and God's mindfulness of you and everyone else before time even began. That's a paradigm shift. So stay tuned for the next episode, number 10, where we're going to discover what Jesus meant when he said, you must be born again. It launches next Wednesday, like all my podcasts, and you'll understand why Nicodemus got so shook when he said to Jesus, how can this be? You just might be like Nicodemus. I am so pumped to share with you what Jesus really said. Until then, bliss to you and never forget, God is absolutely crazy about you.